Hello, and welcome back to the Rewatch Rewind. My name is Jane, and this is the podcast where I count down my top 40 most frequently rewatched movies in a 20-year period. Today, I will be discussing number 11 on my list, MGM's 1959 spy thriller North by Northwest, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, written by Ernest Lehman, and starring Cary Grant, Eva Marie Saint, and James Mason. New York advertising man Roger Thornhill, Cary Grant, is mistaken for government agent George Kaplan by men working for foreign spy Philip Van Dam, James Mason. Their initial attempt to rub him out is unsuccessful, but nobody believes Roger's story and he is forced to go on the run when Van Dam's men make it look like he committed murder. Roger sneaks onto the 20th Century Limited train to Chicago, where he runs into a beautiful young lady named Eve Kendall, Eva Marie Saint, who helps him hide from the police. But when instructions that Eve claims she received from the elusive George Kaplan nearly get him killed, Roger begins to suspect that she is also working for Van Damme. And if you haven't seen this movie, I would recommend watching it before listening, because it has an absolute roller coaster of a plot, and I will be spoiling most of the twists. As I mentioned in the Notorious episode, North by Northwest was the first Hitchcock movie I ever saw. I was kind of hesitant to watch it because I had heard that Hitchcock made scary movies and I've never been into horror. But my mom assured me that this one was more of a mystery adventure and wasn't actually that scary, so I gave it a try and was immediately hooked. I watched it three times in 2004, once in 2005, once in 2009, four times in 2010, three times in 2011, once in 2012, 2013, and 2014, twice in 2015, twice in 2017, once in 2019, twice in 2020, once in 2021, and twice in 2022. This, like His Girl Friday, was one of the films I wrote a paper about in my film as literature class, so that explains why I watched it so often in 2010. I used to always include it in my Cary Grant birthday marathon, but in more recent years I've tended to save it for Eva Marie Saint's birthday, which happens to be the 4th of July, an appropriate day to watch a movie featuring American landmarks. Some years I watch it on both their birthdays. And when I don't, I often watch it on Alfred Hitchcock's birthday, because even now that I've seen over 40 of his films, the first one I watched is still my favorite. There is a part of me that wants to have a more obscure favorite. North by Northwest is, after all, one of his most famous films and therefore a very basic choice. Even people who have never seen it tend to be at least vaguely familiar with the crop dusting scene and the chase across Mount Rushmore. It seems like a movie that somebody who hasn't seen many Hitchcock films would claim is their favorite Hitchcock film. But I've watched it 25 times and still can't get over how good it is, so basic or not, I love this movie, and I'm pretty sure it will always be one of my favorite movies in general, not just among this particular director's work. And I mean, obviously, a big part of that is because of Cary Grant. If I had to pick one movie that most perfectly displays everything I love about Cary Grant, I'd have to go with North by Northwest. In this movie, he's simultaneously a comedian, a romantic lead, an action hero, and a confused victim of circumstance. His character is upset by all the awful things that happen to him, but remains relatively unfazed and undaunted. He's suave and sophisticated, but also goofy and relatable. I love every moment of his performance. As always, he's at his best when he's being funny, so one of my favorite parts is when Roger is trying to escape from an art auction when Van Damme and his cronies have sealed off the exits. So he starts calling out ridiculous numbers, hoping someone will call the police to have him removed from the premises. 
Grant does such a great job of being disruptive in the most charming but silly way possible, relieving some of the tension without completely derailing the suspenseful tone of the story, and it's so perfect. But he also plays the darker moments very well. In a lot of my other favorite Cary Grant movies, you can't ever really take anything his character says at face value because he's always joking or at least being a little sarcastic. In this movie, while Roger takes most things in his stride and doesn't let them throw him too much, there are moments when he's truly hurt or stunned, and he plays them very believably. It's kind of jarring, in a good way, to see a man who is mostly poised despite all the chaos around him actually get thrown off balance occasionally. Roger Thornhill generally doesn't take himself or the world too seriously, but his tolerance for bullshit does have limits, and it's interesting to see how he acts when he's beyond tired of going with the flow. A lot of Hitchcock's films start to feel kind of tedious after two or three watches because once you know where it's leading, the building of suspense loses some of its intensity and can feel kind of draggy. But aside from the fact that you kind of need to watch this one a few times to fully understand its convoluted plot, I could watch Cary Grant playing Roger Thornhill for ages without getting tired of it, which is one of the reasons I keep revisiting this one. But I can't give Grant all the credit. Every performance in this movie is excellent. James Mason is a delectably menacing Philip Van Damme, and Jesse Royce Landis brings some welcome levity toward the beginning as Roger's mother. And of course, there's Eva Marie Saint, who, as I alluded to at the end of last episode, is, at the time of recording as far as I know, still alive at 99, making her the oldest living Oscar winner. She didn't win an Oscar for North by Northwest, she won for her film debut in On the Waterfront five years earlier, but boy does she give a fascinating performance in this movie. She doesn't even show up until about 45 minutes in, and at first her character just seems like a sexy love interest for Roger, who has had a very rough 45 minutes worth of story and could use a break. But then it's revealed that, oh no, she's working for Van Damme! And then it's like, but is she really? Wait, she's actually spying on Van Damme, but then she shoots Roger? Oh, just kidding, they were blanks. She's still a good guy, never mind. And now she's in danger. The audience's perception of Eve changes so many times that it must have been very difficult to keep track of how she needed to come across in each scene, but Saint absolutely nails it. She's perfectly mysterious and even sinister when she needs to be, but easily transitions to open and vulnerable and likable when the audience is supposed to be rooting for her. It's an extremely complicated role, and it absolutely could not have been played better. And the way she and Grant interact throughout these transitions is brilliant. Roger's perceptions of Eve follow a similar path to the audience's, but not quite at the same time. For instance, while Roger and Eve are together in her train compartment, we see a porter deliver a note to Van Damme from her that says, what should I do with him in the morning? Which, on the one hand, is kind of weird, because, like, how are they supposed to get a response back to her without Roger seeing it? But the purpose of that is obviously to show the audience that, gasp, Eve is not just some random woman Roger happened to run into, she's involved in this somehow. But Roger doesn't begin to suspect her until after he's been crop-dusted and the hotel clerk tells him that George Kaplan checked out before he supposedly gave Eve instructions on where to meet him. So there's a whole section when the audience knows something Roger doesn't. But then later, the opposite happens when Eve shoots Roger during the confrontation in the Mount Rushmore cafeteria. Both Roger and Eve know it's fake, but the audience doesn't until later. The way the movie so deliberately and gradually reveals information to the audience is fascinating even when you've seen it a bunch of times and already know what's coming. 
And while this required the brilliant performances of Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint to be effective, I have to give major props to screenwriter Ernest Lehman for crafting such a well-told narrative. He also wrote the screenplay for The Sound of Music, which I mentioned just to give an idea of the wide range of his talent. This story is ridiculously complex, and while not all of the details quite hold up under scrutiny, overall the important storylines track remarkably well upon rewatch. I can't claim this movie is perfect because it does feature one of my all-time favorite movie mistakes, although I didn't notice it until Eva Marie Saint herself pointed it out on a DVD special feature, but now I can't watch this movie without noticing it. In the scene with the fake shooting, right as she pulls out the gun, there's a boy in the background who plugs his ears, even though nobody is supposed to know that she's going to actually fire it. It seems very odd that someone with as much attention to detail as Hitchcock would have allowed that to end up in the final cut, but it makes me smile every time. And there are definitely several aspects of the story that don't really make a lot of sense if you think about them too hard. But again, the story is so complex and is told so well overall that poking holes in it just feels pedantic. If anything, its flaws make me love it all the more. While this movie is decidedly neither aromantic nor asexual, it does portray romance and sex in a somewhat unusual way. The character of Eve Kendall is rather similar to Alicia Huberman in Notorious in that they both use sex for spy purposes, the main difference being that we never have any doubts about which side Alicia is on. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, characters faking sexual attraction to use sex for personal or political gain makes more sense to me as an asexual person than characters expressing genuine feelings of sexual attraction, which might explain why, in general, the movies that have made it into my top 40 that include sexual content tend to feature ulterior motives behind the sex. Eve does develop real feelings for Roger, but in order to keep Van Damme from suspecting her, she has to pretend she only slept with Roger under Van Damme's orders, which adds an intriguing layer to the whole situation. Another interesting thing about North by Northwest, especially when compared with Notorious, is that while production codes were still in effect in 1959, they were clearly starting to relax. Notorious was as explicit as it was allowed to be, but all the sexual activity is cloaked in innuendo, however thin. No modern audience would consider North by Northwest a sexually explicit movie, but at least the characters could say that they had sex. In Notorious, when Alex finds out that Alicia is a spy, he berates himself for believing in her with her clinging kisses, but nothing more risque than that, whereas in North by Northwest, Roger vents about Eve using sex like some people use a fly swatter. As an old Hollywood fan, I find it endlessly fascinating to see what content was allowed when, and as James and I discussed in the Notorious episode, Hitchcock loved to push the envelope. So while there's no nudity or anything like that in this movie, there is definitely clear sexual content. And while I wouldn't go so far as to claim that any of the characters is asexual, there is at least one who is very strongly implied to be gay. Leonard, played by Martin Landau, is Van Damme's right-hand man who seems to have a thing for Van Damme. He's accused of being jealous that Van Damme likes Eve, and he refers to his own woman's intuition. The rules may have been relaxing around discussions of heterosexual activities, but references to homosexuality still weren't allowed to be more overt than that. Still, I think we can safely claim Leonard as LGBT plus representation. Landau himself was very open about intentionally playing him as gay, which both Hitchcock and Lehman supported. 
Hitchcock also pushed the envelope with this movie in ways unrelated to sexual content. For example, he was refused permission to film the outside of the United Nations building, but he went ahead and did it anyway from a camera hidden in a truck across the street. Similarly, the government didn't want to allow the climactic chase across Mount Rushmore, as they felt it was disrespectful. This was finally allowed under the conditions that they didn't film on the real monument and that the characters never climbed across the president's faces. They were allowed to film the shooting with blanks scene in the Memorial View building in the park, but the monument they climbed down during the climax was a model on a soundstage, which was probably much safer than filming on the actual mountain anyway. Although Eva Marie Saint did slip and bang her elbow, which made it into the movie. Personally, I think the best part of that chase scene is the music, written by Bernard Herrmann, who also wrote the scores for six other Hitchcock movies, including the iconic screeching psycho theme. The North by Northwest theme is somewhat less well-known, but it's very intense and adventurous, and it greatly enhances the climax. Definitely the perfect escaping from desperate enemy spies who are trying to kill you song, and that scene in particular would be significantly less effective without it. Not to be constantly harping on about people's ages, but I must point out that Jesse Royce Landis, who plays Cary Grant's mother in this movie, was only seven years older than him, while Eva Marie Saint, who plays his love interest, was 20 years younger than him. Much as I love this cast and wouldn't want to see any of them replaced, it's still rather upsetting to me that a 55-year-old man can still play the lead, while a 62-year-old woman is relegated to the minor mother role. She does get one of the best lines in the movie. You gentlemen aren't really trying to kill my son, are you? But she doesn't have nearly enough screen time. More good roles for older actresses, please. Also, Eve Kendall says she's 26 when Eva Marie Saint was really 35, and I don't understand why they felt the need to pretend she was so much younger. Couldn't they have just let her character be in her 30s? That would have made her relationships with men in their 50s at least a little less creepy. But maybe the creepiness was the point. Or maybe Grant and Mason were meant to be playing younger characters too. Anyway, the ages may be all wrong, but the performances are all perfect, and that's what really matters. Ultimately, I think the main reason this is my most frequently rewatched Hitchcock movie boils down to the fact that even when the suspense is no longer effectively suspenseful, it's still a very fun movie to watch. Intense things happen, but overall the tone isn't nearly as dark as most of his other films. And so much is going on that there are always more details to be noticed. And again, if nothing else, Cary Grant is there being Cary Grant. Speaking of which, you may recall that way back when Grant made his first appearance on this podcast in number 33, Holiday, I mentioned that he was going to appear in 10 movies on this list. Since then, I've talked about him in Monkey Business, Father Goose, Mr. Blanding's Built His Dream House, Bringing Up Baby, Notorious, His Girl Friday, and The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, which means North by Northwest is his ninth movie on here. Somehow, he only made it into one of the top ten, and it is number one, so I won't be talking about him again for a while. Funnily enough, each of the four actors who appear in at least four of my top 40 most rewatched films, Grant, Katherine Hepburn, Ginger Rogers, and Julie Andrews, is in exactly one of my top ten. So stay tuned for my favorite movie that each of them made. I cannot believe I'm three quarters of the way through this list already. 
Thank you so much to those of you who have listened to every episode since the beginning of this project, and to those of you who have only listened to this episode, and to those of you who have listened to a few episodes here and there. I am so grateful that anyone is interested in what I have to say about these movies that I love. I hope you will enjoy the final quarter, which will begin with a movie that is quite different from anything I've talked about thus far, although it does involve traveling across the United States, so it's a little like North by Northwest, except not. Anyway, as always, I will leave you with a quote from that next movie. Thoughts raced through his mind. Did she really want him? What had he done to deserve this bounty? Does God exist? Who invented liquid soap and why? 